Lights Out Loud is firing up our microphones, connecting those headphones as we search the community for themes to expound upon. We keep the banner friendly of the conversation, well, somewhat on topic, and have fun doing it. This week, we are spouting off about changes coming to Linux Out Loud. Let's get into episode 71. And with me today are my fine co-hosts that are, well, at least one of them's good and fine. The other ones, he's here. So what's whoa, going whoa, on? Whoa, whoa, uh, whoa. Wendy and Nate. <laughs> are you hitting on me, Matt? <laughs> he is that's, very much That's really on me. inappropriate. Totally. Really, yeah. really inappropriate. <laughs> totally. No. As far as personality and being a coworker with, they are totally oh, fine okay, okay. and awesome. That is not you. Uh-huh. Well, then that must be me. <laughs> What's going on? The good coworker that I like working with. Oh my gosh, things have been so crazy the last few weeks. We took our sabbatical because robotics camps are going on, and really they've been a lot of fun. So right now we're meeting summer meetings for our robotics team is on Tuesday mornings, and then that first week of camps it was. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we had family stuff going on that following weekend, which was my husband and I's anniversary, which we were so exhausted on the Sunday of our anniversary, plus had family stuff going on, so we really didn't celebrate. Then I had robotics camps this last week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, with, of course, kickoff for the season. Yes, the new season was announced on August 1st, which is super, super fun. And then my husband and I did take the time to go celebrate our anniversary this last weekend and do a little birthday shopping. And of course, I opened my mouth. And even though I really originally wasn't supposed to be helping out with the third week, the final week of robotics camps, me and my two robotics kids are now. So we're recording on a Monday Well, the rest of the week, I've got robotic stuff going on. And then after that, we're rolling right into our regular season. And I'm pretty sure the team's going to start right into eight hours a week of meetings. So that Wednesday and Friday over the course of a lunchtime. So yeah, it's staying super, super busy around here. That hasn't stopped me from getting in time on Phasmophobia. You've heard me talk about it a few times before. I actually now enjoy this game so much that I'm super tired when I get home and don't want to play or whatever, but I'm getting it around like that morning before I leave. I am working it into (laughs) my schedule to get a ghost hunting around and having a ton of fun with it, really enjoying playing with my daughter. So... That's been my life right now. Robotics camps, family reunions, and ghost hunting. Well, you know, as long as you're getting in your ghost hunting time between the family and robotics, I think things <laughs> sound great. It's a win. It's an absolute, absolute win. win. Yeah. For sure. Well, I mean, Wendy, are the kids playing ghosts? Because, you know, kids do like to disappear, especially when they're out and about. They do like to disappear. It's usually my youngest that disappears when he's getting into stuff he's not supposed to. When the house goes quiet... You go looking for him to find out what's going on. Yeah, pretty serious. But in this case, it's just all game related. I'm incredibly excited for an update that's coming sometime this month. I'm not excited about the fact that 
money and levels are getting reset. Though when you are playing an early access game and they're doing a major overhaul of some of the systems, it's to be expected, right? You're when you play an early access game, <laughs> sometimes stuff like that happens. And in the end, it's going to be a net positive for everyone who's playing. So my daughter and I have been considering, hey, let's go ahead and play Nightmare Mode because all the money that we've earned is going to be lost anyway. We have enough to rebuy back our stuff to play another round. So this is the time to risk it because it's going bye-bye anyway. <laughs> I totally get what you're talking about as it relates to early access games and stuff, uh, especially cooperative style games be you know full-blown multiplayer or whatnot i definitely understand how that goes because some games that i like playing that are early access games um starship troopers extermination is one of them and server resets and everything else yeah not fantastic when it's like a progression based game sometimes but it's understandable because you're buying in at an early access point of the game in early development unfortunately most people who buy into them don't usually understand what early access means this means it's like at best a beta product <laughs> treated as such yeah and they've taken user feedback on the gameplay and realized we can make certain aspects of this game better and the only way to do that and make a level playing field from the very beginning is just to wipe out all the levels and all the money and if you looked through the changelog it would make sense as to what they're doing. They're also giving us a ton more ghost-seeking, evidence-seeking objects in there that I can't wait to see and dropping little kind of update notes on some of those objects. So I'm absolutely thrilled for this. You know that I really, really like a game when I am like not home at all due to robotic stuff and I still find time to work it in. I think this is probably the first game I've ever done that with. That must mean it's a huge winner. If you're coming back to it with that kind of veracity, it's got to be a great game then. It just has to be. It's definitely what I'm enjoying. It's not a game for everyone. While it is up to a four-person co-op, you can play it in a single-player mode, and that's probably... One of the reasons I really enjoy this game is because, hey, when I've got time, I can play it with the kids. And when things are going to be crazy busy and schedules just don't align for that to happen, I can get in a round of it on my own. So I'm loving it. It's a ton of fun. If you haven't picked it up yet, even though that's not what this section is supposed to be about, go ahead and grab it. But you, Nate, are getting to play with hyperlinks? Well, sort of. Uh, it's an application called Junction. It precipitated from the need of separating out work activities from like me or Cubicle Nate or whatever, Tux Digital type activities. Although Firefox, the browser tabs, like the containerized tabs are great. And I think they're absolutely lovely. There's something about segregating activities by browser. And so what I've done is I use Firefox for anything that's personal or Cubicle Mate related. Anything that is specifically Linux Saloon related, I use Chromium and the reasons for that. And then anything that is um, work related, I use Edge. And then I have Conquer in there, but that's for other reasons. That's for very, very, very narrow reasons. When I'm using Outlook, on Linux. Yes, there is an Outlook that runs on Linux, sort of. I don't want it to open in Firefox. I want it to open in Edge, like any, any links I click on. 
So when I click on a link, instead of opening up the browser, the, the default browser, it's opening up this application called Junction. And what this does is kind of like on Android, when you open up a link, it says, do you want to do, open up this? You know, it gives you a list of applications to open it up in. Are you familiar with that? This is, it's like that, except for your Linux desktop. And so it's very easy to just fire off anything that is specifically work-related, just go off into Edge and everything just I, just, I just dump it into Edge. And then that's synchronized to my work account because you can do like the synchronization nonsense. And so my work computer, which is a desktop, which does run, you know, Windows, <laughs> I anything I do on there then is synchronized with my, my Linux machine. And it makes managing multiple workflows absolutely brilliant. And I love it. It's great. I've been using it now for uh, about, probably about six weeks or so, and it's made a huge difference in efficiency on my laptop. So I did a little article on cubiclenate.com. I actually finally got off my duff and did a thing on cubiclenate.com. So it, it's very basic of how I use it and what I like about it, what I don't like about it. It is a GTK application. So if you are funny about not using GTK in a cute environment, it's not a big deal. It's a very simple window and it's already a dark theme. So it doesn't stick out and then don't use it. But this works great. It truly does. I like it. It makes my life so much better. It really looks like it's super easy to integrate, just making a simple change inside your default application settings and you're good to go. I love the fact that you are able to separate things out to where they need to go for your different workflows. This needs to stay here, that needs to stay there. And I'm sure where you're right now having to use Windows for work and in that case using Edge for that workflow, you can do something on your personal computer that is work-related, opening up a tab, and then you're good to go if that then needs to be opened on a work laptop. Right. And, and actually, largely, since moving to the framework and exploring ways to move myself away from Windows a little bit more, I have successfully done so probably 98% of the functions. There's actually only one other function that I can't do in Linux right now, which I'm hoping to clear up in the next couple of weeks. Nice. I can do everything without having to use Windows now. So Matt, you can um, stop harassing me about uh, being, um, what would you say about me and Windows? I, I, I can't remember now, but you can stop doing that. <laughs> I called you like I see it, Nate. When you're late to the show or to recording, I poke fun at you and say, hey, look, Nate's being an, like Windows, an unresponsive system. <laughs> right. Like, don't turn off I'm installing updates, you know, and the percentage creeps up ever so slowly. Yeah. And then says, oh, we encountered an error. <laughs> <laughs> Your changes will not take effect. <laughs> oh, thanks. That's actually pretty accurate. <laughs> actually, Nate, but to kind of piggyback off uh, what you're talking about with this, with the kind of like that mobile inspiration of like being able to select certain apps to open up certain things and whatnot. It kind of reminds me of, uh, I think it was a while ago that I know you had talked about it on Linux Saloon and I had mentioned it on a gaming sphere segment, which is uh, Nirna, which is like the suspend resume for application and games, mm -hmm. which is very much, you know, kind of a mobile kind of thing. There are certain things, despite as much flack mobile applications and stuff and the way mobile OSs work, there are some things that are really, really nice in them that we kind of take for granted on like a desktop or a laptop because it's like those just kind of brute force everything <laughs> sometimes. So right. seeing some, some of these um, more user specific kind of and defined influences onto the desktop are great to see. Not necessarily what Apple's done, but kind of like with these kind of applications and getting those functions that are normally very uh, mobile OS specific 
onto desktop OSs is, is really cool to see. Yeah, that would be handy for, especially like when you're mobile and you're sitting in an airport for hours on end, being able to just suspend certain things. I think that'd be quite handy, really. Right. Like you were mentioning, being able to kind of do all this stuff is really cool to see. So I'll definitely have to give that a look at because I do have a few different browsers installed. So, and kind of like you, there, there are certain things that don't play nice with certain other things. And I know I have Edge because it's a Microsoft product. So I use Microsoft products makes sense. Mm -hmm. And since I work in a primarily Microsoft centered business, everything, all the office stuff is based around Microsoft Office. It just makes sense to use Edge for those activities. Nate, you're not doing it the Linux way. You're not putting the circle through the square. You're actually putting the square in the square. What's wrong with you? Well, I don't know. I, I want to be productive, <laughs> you know, make my employer happy. They treat me very well. I'm going to you make sure they get their dollars worth out of me. What a silly thing to say. I know, right? It's almost as silly <laughs> as Matt messing around with his Atari VCS again. What is going on with it this time? So It's not broken, is it? No, it's Probably not. sat on it. <laughs> Seeing how it's under the entertainment center, no, kind of hard to do that. The Atari VCS had been kind of bouncing back and forth as whether or not I was going to keep it a Steam OS machine or Chimera OS machine, actually, but... You know, a Steam Machine style system, or if I was going to change it to a home theater PC. I'm still ripping a lot of my Blu-rays and stuff. Forgot how long that process is. <laughs> but it is slowly becoming a home theater PC. I installed a small build of um, Manjaro Architect. So there's very minimal on it. It's a very minimal GUI install, and it boots right into Kodi. So I forgot the one thing that... I dislike about Cody that something like Libre Elect and kind of all the other stuff would be really nice where it's just kind of already set up. <laughs> but I've been messing around with the Cody skins and the one that I am currently at least messing around with is called Rapier, which is a very kind of clean cut HTPC skin. It looks really, really nice as far as when you actually get it set up. That's the crux of it though. So you have to make sure you're getting all the typical metadata scraping and all the other stuff that goes with it accurate. <laughs> Forgot that process takes a really long time because it pulls in like pictures and it'll give you like recently added stuff for the skin and stuff that I guess you can call recommendations, but it's kind of an algorithmic way of showing some content and stuff for you to potentially look at through your collection of you know, movies and TV shows and all the other stuff. Setting all that stuff up uh, when I kind of have time, you know, it, when it takes quite a while to, to rip a 25, 30, 40, 50 gig Blu-ray and condense that down to six gigs maybe. Been working on that. that that's kind of what I've been doing kind of in between while I wait for stuff to go through. You said you're working on it. It's a project in progress. Yes. What is like the target? Like when, when this is all done and I'm happy with it, which you're, I know you're not happy with anything, but let's say like some <laughs> semblance or happiness adjacent feeling that you might get from it. What would you say it is going to be doing or, and behaving like? The closest thing that I'm going to be able to give for anybody to understand is basically as far as when I'm going to be happy about it. The longer I sit here and look at my physical Blu-ray collections, the longer I'm not going to be happy. Um, as far as it reminds me of how much I still got left to rip as far as uh, physical collection is concerned. So when that gets down to just kind of whatever, you know, it's like, oh, if I buy a physical one, it's like, oh, okay, it's like 20 minutes, whatever. And I, I'm just not going to care. Really, it's the backlog of DVDs or Blu-rays that yeah. you have right now. That's the biggest, ugh. 
And when most of that's done and you're like, I just bought a new DVD, it's a rip condense and you'll be happy. Yeah, rip condense yeah. and really right click on, on something, tell it to, you know, change the source of wherever it needs to get the metadata from. And hey, look, all the metadata is pulled in. So that way, when I'm scrolling through X, Y, or Z stack of movies or whatever, I get all the nice little box art and all the other, you know, who's in the movie and kind of a synopsis of the movie and all that kind of stuff right there on the TV screen. Having all that stuff locally and not relying on something like Jellyfin, uh, was it Jellyfin or Plex or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And all being local is what the goal is. Okay. All self-contained, all sitting at home. Don't have to worry about it. As someone who is considering doing this, and I have a much smaller DVD collection, unfortunately, we've been buying movies digitally for quite a while. And I've decided that I really want to go back to buying the physical disc, ripping them, and then having the digital copy that way. So as someone who is seriously considering doing this, what is it like getting that metadata for each movie? It depends on the sources. It depends how you title things. Like it's a lot of contextualized data sometimes. Okay. I know you can and Cody set it up that it pulls from online sources automatically, but sometimes if the titling's not right or if some say you have like I'm trying to think of a TV show off the top of my head. Say you have like season one and two of a TV show, but you have season one in one folder and season two in another. Sometimes it doesn't coalesce with the the actual title of the show. Okay, yeah. It kind of gets a little confused sometimes. There are those particular aspects. So it requires a lot of sometimes more than most people want to do manual tweaking. It's one of those once you get through, it's kind of like, as bad as it's going to sound, it's kind of like old school Linux sometimes. When you finally get it all set up, it's like, heck yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to equate it to an Arch install, like a bare bones (laughs) Arch install, but I'll equate it to that there are potentially some hurdles. As far as like straight rips and stuff, I generically use Make MKV for what I use. I do too. And it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. It rips in straight Blu-ray format. So you're going to get a 25, 30 gig file dump basically of uh, information for a video. Then usually what I'll do is I'll go through and use something like Handbrake. And then flip that data to something a lot more manageable because even if you have, you know, because I think I have, I have like 14 terabytes of like storage that I can use. I don't want 30 gigs per movie or, you know, 120 gigs worth of TV show for a season. That's just not conducive to good use of space. So what I tend to do is I tend to go down to, I think it's a lower 1080p on the the overall rip but it's still blu-ray quality it's an involved process i'm not gonna say it's not blu-ray ripping is not always the most time conducive use but on the same note it's also not one of those things where it's you can't just walk away and go do a bunch of other stuff now if you're compressing things and you know converting things that's a little bit different because that uses a lot of cpu stuff at least on the Linux end so there is that but then again on something that's running 8, 16, 32, 24, th- you know, cores and threads, it's not going to take that long. So it, it's all relative to how you want to really look at it or view it in that regard. I know for me, it's about 30 gigs becomes about six, give or take. And it's about 20 minutes, give or take. So it's not like a overly involved process at that level. It's just once you get evened out, I think is the biggest hurdle. So like 
you, you'll look at a collection and you're just like, oh my God, this is going to take forever. But once you finally get all caught up, <laughs> you're just like, oh, okay, it's not that bad because you're only doing it every so often at that point. Are you using a laptop that has a CD drive in it or do you have a separate drive that you've purchased? Because I don't actually have a CD drive anymore. Originally, before I got rid of the HP Elite book that I was using, that had an internal um, Blu-ray drive. That was the way I was originally doing because that was the rip machine. That was like a whatever machine at that point. I was like, okay, I'll just rip a bunch of stuff and you're good to go. I don't really care. I ended up having to get an external drive. And I believe I got it off either Newegg or Amazon. I don't remember exactly where I got it. Last I remember, I think 50 to 65 for the external. It wasn't super expensive. The concern is I'm not sure because I still do have that Windows system that does a lot of the uh, like the 4K creator machine because Linux just really don't play nice with that particular machine at all. That system it does is the one doing all the ripping and stuff, and I'm just dumping all these onto uh, the drives that I have. I can't speak to how well it plays Blu-rays straight on Linux. I can tell you it works on Windows, but I can't specifically say right on Linux how well it works. So there is that caveat. The files play fine as far as like once they're ripped and dumped onto the machine. Not ideal, but it works. So Nate, I'm like you, it's a very situational use for Windows. <laughs> right. So I use Make MKV, but I use it in such a way like I'm always multitasking throughout my day. So I will go down to the machine, which is actually my main server in my house. And I'll pop in a DVD or Blu-ray. I'll have it read the disc, you know, the file contents. But I don't sit there and wait. I go back upstairs and I do other things or work on other stuff. And I'll come back later and then I'll see, I'll go through and I'll select which titles. Like usually it's just going to be the main feature. You got to figure out which one that is. And then I start it and then I just walk away. And then I come back later. So, it's, so like there's no time crunch for me to do these things. There's just kind of a, a filler as I go downstairs or whatever, I'll, I'll work on that. That's how I do it. And then I, I try to um, add the metadata. Like I do it in MB though, right now. I, I really need to try Jellyfin, but I just haven't gotten around to it. And the nice thing is because I do travel, I set up tail scale between the server and my laptop and field machines. And so I can actually stream the content no matter where I am. And I don't have to worry about opening up any ports and stuff like that. So it's actually has been pretty handy in that regard too. I would love to hear more about that sometime because once I figure out exactly which path I'm going down for that, that is definitely something that I would want to do. So when we're visiting somewhere else, because we do travel quite often, visit family or something else going on, I would still love to have access to the pool of entertainment mm -hmm. that I've purchased. Right. That's a whole other thing I'm, I'm working on as well. Uh, it's part of my, let's call it simple server setup series. That's an alliteration. I, I want to put that together. It's something. Wow. That's a tongue twister. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so the thing is like not everything that we do in computers, Linux, whatever is sustainable for everybody. And even with what I'm doing is not sustainable for everybody, but it's nerd level, like but low end alert nerd level stuff. And that's, that's what I've been working on. But that's, that's not, I don't talk about that now. That's for another time. Something that is definitely for this time, though, is some talks about changes that are coming in the show. Because really, 
there are some major ones. Instead of being a weekly show, we're moving to bi-weekly. So right now this show is dropping on August 16th and you won't see the next show until August 30th, but something bigger is coming. What is that, Matt? Yeah, another new thing we're going to be doing is video. We have been asked about video before and it has not been something that has been really conducive to the show as a whole, but we're thinking with going to to a bi-weekly show that it will make editing a lot easier, um, just as far as our time availability and stuff. We think it's the right time to try this kind of changeover with kind of how a lot of our schedules have been lately with the, the recent break and just kind of everything else. We, we had a little bit of time to kind of look and see maybe it's time to readjust a few things and video will be starting on august 30th will be probably the first episode that you guys will get to see well wendy's smiling face the rest of us here (laughs) there's a reason we do audio only (laughs) (laughs) it shall be really entertaining well i do have a face for radio (laughs) no you have a face for video too you do linux saloon all the time you're on some other things so it's not that people haven't seen your face before They'll just get to see it in the LOL format. And it's not going to be some over-the-top production. I am just going to be learning the video editing scope of things. So it'll probably be pretty basic in that realm. But I know there's been quite a lot of feedback since the beginning of the show, even when it was DLN Extend, that the YouTube portion of it, they would really love to see video. And you are finally getting that as we switch to bi-weekly and we're also going to be changing up the rest of the format of the show a little bit you want to take that Nate yeah so sometimes we struggle with a main topic but we have like lots of things we want to talk about like that we've been working on or doing or really excited about and then we have to try and we feel like we are almost kind of forced to talk about something maybe we're not as excited to talk about so we're going to basically make a little more loosey-goosey in that regard our main topic might just be what we're doing instead of uh you know something in the community or or, or whatever some piece of news that we aren't as excited about so we're just going to kind of you know make it a little bit more mm, i don't know conducive to matt's level of attention so that's kind of how the the change there that we're going to make as well it's kind of exciting because it means we'll have a a little bit less time preparing I try to prepare. The problem is none of the topics that I want you like, Matt. So anyway. We do get to talk about some of those topics when Matt's not here, but there are other things. Matt brought up a topic at the beginning of this show that he came across, and it was definitely one that was going to be another one. There was a two-sided conversation instead of three of us because it was obviously something that I didn't care about and I'd have no input in. <clears throat> the Steam Deck. So Weird. it is nice knowing that when we got a lot of stuff going on and there really isn't a main topic to talk about, we can still keep this the flow that it has been. If you enjoy us getting to talk about the Linux that we have in our lives, the tech that we get to have in our lives then those shows will be great. And sometimes we will have main topics that come up, stories we get to talk about, because there still are things happening in the Linux world that we have to put our two cents in on. And we'll gladly take your suggestions on topics. That's usually a lot of fun too. Definitely. When we get those suggestions, we can dig into those. A lot of times I'm just applying Linux or tech in an area and that's been my focus for the entire week. And so I maybe have not been focused in on you know, different variety of topics or whatever. Right. This will make it a little bit easier for us. So we're not arguing as much. I don't say arguing, but yeah, 
whatever we do in the pre-show. <laughs> and and so I think it'll be a little more off the cuff and I think a little more relaxed too. Yeah, I agree. Let's be real. We're not professionals. And as far as arguing, it's not that we argue. <laughs> we bicker. <laughs> we bicker. We do. And we do have those conversations in the back end as we're going through the list of possible main topics of, well, I'm glad you're interested in that, but I think that's incredibly dumb. Yes, we are that open with each other Mm, and we're good enough friends that we can take that feedback and roll with it. And sometimes that can almost be the topic (laughs) in and of itself and the show. Yeah, definitely. That's the other big change. We've mentioned it before. If somebody drops out, it's not because they're not here. It's just because... They have not much to add to it. Right. Like when you and Nate start going on about, th- I, I have more input on robotics, but not so much on the 3D printing stuff because I just kind of like you and the Steam Deck, Wendy. And I could have added 3D printing stuff to this episode too, but I'm not going to. I'll go ahead and save that for next week when, or not next week. I guess I can't say that anymore for the next episode when that is fully resolved. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Knock on wood. <laughs> Knock on lots of wood. So speaking of feedback, though, Wendy, it looks like you're doing some, uh, do I dare ask, laptop hunting with the daughter. So I'm sure she's giving you plenty of feedback. We are definitely doing some laptop hunting with the daughter. So there for quite a while, we had Pop! OS on her laptop. And with that, we were getting that NVIDIA graphics card to work. And this laptop has been a royal pain in the rear end from the the time that I bought it from you in order to get that (laughs) NVIDIA graphics card to work. She got to the point where she could not stand Pop! OS. And she's like, I don't care what you put on here, but I am tired of this GUI. And I was like, ooh, all righty. All righty. We put Garuda back on it. The dragonized version with all the gaming stuff, which is fantastic. She's back to a user interface that she really enjoys. But we are now once again struggling to get that flipping NVIDIA card to work. And she's wanting to do more with graphics tablets again. I've talked before that we're actually looking into some of the ones where essentially they're a secondary screen. And Krita does allow you to use GPU acceleration if it can find the flipping GPU, which you can't right now on this tablet or on this laptop. We had a bit of the conversation today of, well, we can do some more tinkering and some fighting and try and get this NVIDIA graphics card to work. Or we can pull all of your stickers off it, clean it up, put windows on it, sell it and try and find something with an AMD graphics card that allows you to do the drawing on it. Because we have that living room system we built this fall, this spring, and it is powerful enough to do that stuff. I am going to go ahead and get a monitor for it, all of that, so it's not necessarily connected to the TV, and they can not only use it for their gaming, but use it for that too, but she really likes being portable. She loves that she can take the laptop with her, go places, do her art that way. It's one of the reasons why she loves drawing on her tablet is because it's portable. If we're going to my in-laws or going to my dad's house, like wherever we're traveling, that can go with her and that passion for art can continue. While my baby is my desktop, I understand that people do love that portability aspect. So right now, my main thing is putting it out there to everybody 
if you see an amazing deal on a laptop with an AMD, no NVIDIA. <laughs> it is a hard no on NVIDIA. See a really good deal on a laptop that's got AMD graphics in it, preferably the newer lines of AMD graphics, then let me know. Shoot me a line because that's currently one of those paths we're currently looking down right now. I want her to have all of the tools in order to pursue art, whether it's physically painting or whether it's doing it on technology to pursue that passion and grow those techniques. And it looks like we're just down to needing a new laptop to make that happen. Yeah, I have to admit it. It has to be very difficult to sit under a tree with a desktop computer and do drawing. Right. <laughs> so in my mind, I was just imagining like that, that scenic hill with a tree. And then you have a, well, I imagine a CRT monitor just because it's more ridiculous. But then you know, a giant tower. And then anyway. Um, I'm going to have her draw that scene. It sounds amazing. Yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> She has drawn a Michael. I should actually share that in the show notes. You should share that. I have a graphics tablet. Here's a little fun factoid. Uh, graphics tablets are not yet compatible with Wayland. So if you are going to use a graphics tablet, you have to use X11 for your display server. Hopefully Plasma 6 will fix that. But at this moment in time, nada. Interesting. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I think that's... If you find like a really cool graphics tablet too that is inexpensive, yeah, I definitely want to hear about it. I was looking at some on Amazon that had secondary displays like you were talking about. I thought, mm-hmm. man, that is so cool. That would be a real neat thing. But I don't know. At that point, maybe just a tablet that does artistic stuff. And let's say I'm going to buy an iPad, but yeah, maybe an iPad, but not an iPad. because She has a tablet. She's actually using a Lenovo tablet oh. that we bought the pen separate. It's a really nice pen on it. She's done some amazing drawing that way. One of the roadblocks we're coming into is it only has so much RAM. And when you are using some of those larger brushes, some of those more detailed brushes, there can be some major lag Mm. in drawing that out. So having a higher powered system is where that's coming to come into play. I can barely draw a stick figure, so a tablet is perfectly fine for me. It's more than enough when it comes to drawing. I don't draw on my tablet. She has drawn on my tablet. I just use it for taking notes. That's what the pen's for on mine. (laughs) But when it comes to hers, mine also has more RAM. I think my tablet has eight gigs, and I think hers only only has four, which is the minimum that I would get for a laptop anyway. Definitely not a laptop for her, but I wouldn't give someone actually any less than eight on a laptop. So her tablet covers most things just fine. There's a lot of her drawing that's been perfectly fine with this current Lenovo tablet but as she's expanding out as she's adding new brushes to Krita then it's not enough anymore it's just not enough hardware wise and she needs a step up here's just another tossing another idea out there to just muck things up a little bit more what about like a surface one of those Microsoft surface tablets and I think those would be an amazing option if they have the built-in graphics card in them I know that Matt has talked about the minis form that he's got that's a two-in-one, like a lot of the services. Does that one have dedicated graphics, Matt? It does not. So that was part of the reason I was looking at the, because it's Thunderbolt 4. 
Uh, that's why I was looking at external GPU docks. Right. And you can only fit so much in those ultra slim devices. Right. I don't know. I think a more traditional style laptop is the way to go. It could still be a touchscreen laptop that you can use a pen on because they do have some out there. Mm -hmm. But the dedicated GPU for what she's trying to do is kind of a must. No, it's not kind of a must. It's definitely a must. Got it. Makes sense. We've had good luck with Lenovo and this Lenovo laptop has been solid. I rethermal pasted it last year. Runs amazing. It's just the stupid flipping <laughs> graphics card. I know I hear you. I'm not unaware. <laughs> it was weird because I didn't have that issue that you seem to have run into when I was using it. Because I, I think I had Solus on it at the time. And maybe Solus would be okay. And I, I don't know what it is about Pop that it just picked up the NVIDIA graphics card just fine. I did install the Garuda that comes with the NVIDIA drivers. And it's still a fight in order to go through the process of using Optimus and the switching. And even when we were trying to battle with that before... Even though I had Optimus installed, like games still wouldn't play with it. I don't know. It's just been this never ending battle. And I wish in the BIOS of that laptop, I could go in hard and off. turn off the integrated <laughs> yeah, graphics. You can hard turn off the dedicated graphics, but you can't hard turn off the Intel graphics, which is a ripping pain in the butt. It will not boot yeah. without the Intel graphics. Something tells me that might be in just a design issue. I think so. I really think so. I had the Asus system. I had the Acer system with NVIDIA. That wasn't a problem as far as like, yeah, it was inconvenient when I wanted battery life that I had to log out and re-log back in, but like whatever, pick your battles on that one. Yeah. And I guess if someone out there has had an amazing Linux experience with an NVIDIA based laptop we'll talk about it she and i will have that discussion but i need like raving reviews it can't be like oh it's been great no i need like raving reviews this thing is amazing it does great we don't have to fight with the graphics at all yeah it's, it's got to be like top-notch <laughs> reviews in order to even think about nvidia right now well that's enough on my laptop woes i know matt will be doing some extra research for me in the background that's why i love putting that little bug in his ear nate while well, i've been busy at robotics camps you've been traveling for work and spending quite a bit of time in texas what have they been having you do there uh, well a lot of things but i'm only going to cover what might be the most interesting for you guys which is the server cabinet the main server cabinet has all the administrative or it things in it so this is not the operational cabinet this is just the administrative side not the stuff that operates the robots and the not robots and this, yeah robots and the different machines and everything else. This is just administrative things. And also the main gateway out and, and so forth to the scary World Wide Web and the tie between the two plants. Anyway, so one of the things I did was uh, going through, we got a new NVR camera system, so network video recorder for those that don't know what NVR is. Let's replace the old one, a better system. We're having lots of problems with the old one, like either people having issues playing back the video or whatever. Just It was just not working well. So did come out of the IT budget, but uh, physical security is, is under my domain. So that was taken care of. I did very little of that outside of going around and verifying locations with the security contractor and, and my IT bubba. We went around and, and looked at everything. And then he, uh, it's actually not me. So the my guy, my IT support 
feller. He went and built all the profiles for it. Setting that up, that was part of it. Uh, there was a third UPS in this server rack, but it was not activated. Digging and into it and, and understanding why, they, it had a different style of NEMA plug. I don't know if you're familiar with it, the NEMA standard, but it's the US plug standard. So sometimes you'll see like on a, on a plug, you see like the two vertical, the, it's the, the neutral and the in the hot, but the neutral on some of them have like a little bar that goes the opposite direction or horizontal instead of vertical. That's what this had, which means it was a it required a 20 amp circuit. So I called the electrician or sent a message and saying, you know, is there any way you could get me in like a, somewhere in, the, in your calendar to, to get this set up? I wasn't expecting to have it done that day, but he said, oh, no, I'll hook you up right now. So he came down there and put a new uh, receptacle on there. It was already had a 20 amp wiring, so it wasn't a big deal. So I got the third UPS activated and the way the two UPSs that were in there originally, one was at like operating around in or between 90 and 110% of capacity, which is, you know, not a good thing. And I went ahead and I balanced all the loads because like most, most devices have two power supplies, so they, they'll draw from both. And so I got everything balanced down to like 40% on each UPS, which is great because there are power issues from time to time where, where the place loses power. And so long as we can keep the IT equipment running, the better. It gives us time to shut things down safely. Well, you know, while I was doing that, the balancing, I was, I was tracking things down. I was going to move the backup edge device. So like if a primary goes down, the backup kicks over and does what it has to do. But as I was doing that, I inadvertently unplugged the main edge device and took the entire plant down. So that was kind of fun. Everybody was so pleased about that. Ew. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> Not supposed to do that, Nate. Well, I know that. Anyway, I quickly fixed it. I didn't realize immediately that I didn't plug the wrong one. Like, oh, oh boy. So I got that fixed, you know, whatever else. You know, I got the edge devices, you know, back operational. I, I had to move the main switch as well, which also momentarily took the plant down, but I had to move it because it was actually not protected at all for whatever reason. And uh, I got everything just the way I think it's, it's good right now. I, I also pulled out some Cat5 cables, some some patch cables that went nowhere to just sort of clean it up a little bit. There's a lot to do when it comes to cleaning it up yet. It's no fault of anybody, just like things happen. When emergencies strike, like the, what happened was there was a power surge and actually it knocked out the switch at one time. And so they had to put a, a temporary switch in there. Then they put the proper switch back in place and it just hasn't been cleaned up yet. So we kind of got that all cleaned up. Now, now, mostly cleaned up. It's not cleaned up fully yet. It's still a little bit of a mess, but it's much less of a mess now. And mostly I'm really happy that the loads are balanced so that one, when we do lose power or we, we're reducing the chances of an event taking out hardware. That was kind of a fun way to end my week in Texas. It wasn't really on the list of things to do necessarily, but I'm glad we got it done. It's probably the thing I'm, I'm happiest about. You have been incredibly busy, and it's interesting to hear how when this was originally set up that those loads weren't balanced on the UPSs. I've never played with that myself. It's something that I don't know anything about. What is that process like to do something like that? Well, I think it was originally balanced, but it just became unbalanced when things were moved around and, oh, and new okay. things were added. Gotcha. There are a few items in there that were previously utilized that are no longer being utilized and, and stuff like that. When you added the new camera system, they moved that from the operational cabinet to the administrative cabinet for numerous reasons, but that's where it really belongs. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. It was basically just looking at taking inventory of where the different devices were being plugged in. There's three host machines and then two SAN, I think, devices, the storage area network, something like that, but the main data stores for the servers. And so th those were not exactly on opposite UPSs because like if one UPS goes down, you still won't be able to maintain things. So what, right. what I did was between adding the new NVR, I balanced that between the new UPS and then moved some of the things from one UPS to another and, and just kind of worked it around until I got basically about the same loads between the three UPSs. 
because they have two power supplies, you can unplug one. Yeah, the machine gets upset about it, but it can function off of one long enough to move things around. So that's basically how I balance the load. You can, it's kind of a, a fun thing. You can actually like, you could, in theory, you could walk a server across an entire plant without actually unplugging it with enough extension cords and whatnot, if you really feel like doing that. <laughs> <laughs> that could be interesting. Sounds like a great YouTube short. <laughs> or a great way to get sued. Well, that's only if something goes wrong. Yeah, when someone trips and falls on their face. Uh, well, I mean, yes, with me, uh, uh, that is a possibility that something could go wrong. Yeah, that is for certain. Nate and Steve Urkel never had accidents. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Never. Not once. Not a once. Well, it was always entertaining for the rest of us who watched the show, right? That's right. Of course. <laughs> so just air it, you know, and the rest of us can watch it. It again, has some like Benny Hill music as you're doing it too. That would make it. Right. You know, yes, and then kind of exactly. accelerate it just a little bit. <laughs> Could be interesting. Could make a great show. <sighs> Walking a server across a factory. <laughs> that would be pretty awesome. Well, Matt, you are in the position again to once again enable us with another game so what is this game you want to uh thrust upon us and have us part with our hard-earned cash well i know one thing based on me clicking on the link i had to say that i was over 18 plus so this is right oh Sally. oh yeah absolutely let's go and see <laughs> how the folks are dressed in this So this game is actually part of a series that, Nate, you should be familiar with because it's based around D&D, the 90s, and isometric RPGs. You just said a whole bunch of game jargon that I <laughs> didn't get. The closest you will get to tabletop role-playing games, i.e. D&D, on a PC okay. game. Isometric is the view angle, the viewing angle that you'd get from the camera. So the overhead kind of view that oh, you I get. Oh, I hate that style. However, this game gives you multiple viewing angles because you can scroll in and out and down and get different perspectives of however you want. Oh, nice. So it gives the player options. This is Baldur's Gate 3, which has been in early access for, geez, probably, I'm going to say at least four years wow but this is legitimately as close as you will get to ever having a single player DD experience hmm. there's literally dice rolls every time a skill check comes up you can re-roll within game there is item management and all the other stuff that goes with it which makes it really really interesting and i'm not one to generically buy a game when it first comes out that is just not my style i very rarely recommend games that just come out i'm actually recommending this game if you are a DD fan too new for nate nate in order for games that are going to be more up your alley I would recommend Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 because it's more of that old Infinity Engine style of game. I was thinking more like Ultima <laughs> 3 or something. Well, this game is saying the release date is October 6, 2020. So that's three years ago. Is that when it first dropped in the rough format? That might be when it hit early access. Well, GOG's version of early access. Okay. I know it's been on Steam for a long time as early access. It might've been 2020. I honestly don't know. It's three or four years it's been in early access. That's all I know. Right. So it just finally came out of early access then. Yes. But they used early access the proper way. <laughs> so it's not just like, oh, here's a game pass money and we'll develop 
the game as it goes. They used it for feedback. Yes. You didn't get the entire game. They gave you like certain segments of the game. The industry portion would be called vertical slices, essentially. They give you parts of the game to play for you to give feedback on, on like systems and all that kind of stuff. And they took that feedback and integrated it into the system. If anybody has ever said that games like Elder Scrolls, Oblivion, or Skyrim have tons of voice acting, this game literally has the most voice acting I have ever seen in a video game. Flat nine, period. And I'm only about 40 hours into this. I've had a little bit of time and I have sunk a ton of time that I've had that have been free into playing this over the last like three days. So literally. Oh, wow. (laughs) Three days? You've gotten 40 hours in three days? Give or take. Wow. Holy I mean, like foregoing sleep? Must be. Okay, that's the in-game counter. So that has been left on when I go and do work stuff do other things yeah okay got you there so you said that you've got multiple viewing angles i cannot stand top down it's very disorienting to me can you move this into like first person view uh more third person so like kind of okay you'll still see the character but you can also more looking over their shoulder yeah gotcha has different ways of doing that works with controller or keyboard mouse and keyboard by default example windows does not play well normally with controller when you plug it in like I'll plug in a PS4 controller and Windows doesn't know what to do with it 90% of the time. <laughs> it's gotten better. I will give Windows credit. I'm not going to totally crap all over Windows when it released that. But the sad fact is that this, like I've accidentally like pulled the cord out from the, the PS4 controller because Windows and Bluetooth wireless controllers <laughs> for the PS4 anyway, mm. still don't play nice. But it will automatically switch to the keyboard. Or if it detects the controller in-game, it'll switch to a more of a controller layout automatically. You don't even have to think about it. Wow. So like little UI elements will change as soon as it detects the different input. So if it detects the controller input, it changes to more of a controller, bigger fonts and that kind of stuff. And the UI, like the actual UI in the game is different. Or if it detects like the mouse and keyboard, it will drop and detect, go to more like a MMO style casting toolbars and that kind of stuff at the bottom of the screen that you can go through just really small details like that but make a huge difference as far as how you want to experience the game you definitely need space for this it's 150 gigs that Holy is cow. big but it is also cross-platform multiplayer what other obviously you can play it on the computer but what other platforms can you play it on they're coming out on playstation 5 I don't know about Xbox. Uh, from what I understand, from because these guys have done multiplayer game, uh, multi-platform games before, they're kind of like um, CD Projekt Red guys, the, the games uh, that do like the Witcher games and stuff. They tend not to really do well when focusing on like multiple consoles. Just look at the Cyberpunk 2077 launch and you'll see what I mean. Oh, okay. So like the initial release, PC focus. Next release, PS5 focus. Next release, it sounds like Xbox focus. I'm okay with that because it's like they want to deliver the best product. Might be a delay, might be kind of annoying, all that kind of stuff, whatever. That makes sense to me though. But the next release is PS5. What they talk about on cross-platform play right now is if you own this on GOG and you want to play with somebody that on Steam, you can. Nice. Right now for PC, that is fantastic. That is amazing. That is why I bought it on GOG. The other reason I bought it on GOG was simply because of the fact When it comes to big games like this, like these sprawling RPGs and stuff, there's a time investment there and I want to own that time investment. So therefore I want to 
own quote unquote the game as much as I possibly can, be it digital or physical. So in this case, I'm gonna buy on GOG where I can download it and own it. Right. And the graphics look really good. Like wow. To give you an idea of how many cutscenes and everything else, this is a story heavy game. Is that why it's so big, size wise? There's a lot of reasons why it's big. SSD is not an option, it's a requirement. I saw that, yeah. <laughs> and that's because of how they load the game. There's a lot of seamless oh, okay. transitions in and out of stuff. It doesn't have a lot of loading when it does load. So that's why the SSD is a requirement. So I'm okay with that. You know, we're, we're kind of getting to the point now where SSDs don't scare me in pricing when I go and look at them anymore. Right. Yeah, definitely. I enjoy this game. I would recommend this at 60 bucks as it's flat out as it is right now. It is early access done right. These guys take user feedback. They give like the control and keyboard input, just small details that get it right. I've had a few hard crashes here and there. Some of that could be because uh, I've been messing around with uh, trainers on the Steam Deck. For those that mm. don't know that trainers are um, cheat devices. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Uh, <laughs> or cheat codes just on PC. Because I want to see how this plays when you beat the system as it were sometimes. Just uh, kind of give you the more full experience. Um, yeah. Cause I, I have two different playthroughs. I have the, like kind of the hacky one that I'm doing now. And then I have the one where it's just like, this is the experience that I get. This is my individual personalized experience and not the, right. I just want to see everything. <laughs> I have more of the, I just want to see everything right now. So, <laughs> so you're the reason for anti-cheat. Thanks a lot, Matt. Thanks a lot. So the record is clear. I've next never been into D and D. It's actually not a, genre that i really enjoy the closest thing i've ever gotten to playing DD was king's quest 3 now it's your turn to toss in your two cents on today's topics hit the discourse form or drop us a line under this video or on the contact form by visiting tuxdigital.com contact if you'd like to hang out with us on our preferred social media see the links at the bottom of the show description be sure to check out other great shows on the network like hardware acts and lennox saloon and destination lennox and more at tuxdigital.com Show your love for your favorite podcasts and shows by visiting the Tux Digital merch store. Grab yourself some awesome swag like the gamer-centric I pause my game to be here, as it wasn't obvious that I did that this week. Or join hashtag Team Wendy for some sinister Wendy swag. She's evil. It should be Team Evil. Not evil, just... Sinister. Yeah, what Magneto said. <laughs> as always, we thank you for joining us. We'll be back next episode with an awesome episode of Lennox Out Loud. Until then, keep the banner friendly, the conversation somewhat on topic, and have fun doing it. Mm-hmm.